Hello and welcome to Ditching Hourly. I'm Jonathan Stark, and today I'm joined by guest Graham McLaughlin. Graham, welcome to the show. There. So this uh, this conversation was predicated on a question you sent in from the mailing list. So I wonder if you could kind of start off by giving the listener an idea of what the background is, who you are, what you do, and um, and what's on your mind. Yeah, definitely. Um, so my background: I started in digital marketing. Uh, like back in 2004, uh, I was hired kind of more in a sales role. So managing affiliate programs and kind of quickly learned that uh, if I could help the, the, the affiliates that I worked with in, in things like SEO and PPC, then I kind of made more money. So totally got into marketing via kind of roundabout backwards way, um, but quickly kind of fell in love with like digital marketing, traffic acquisition. Um, and it's been a real kind of windy road. Um, so started like on how do we get more people to the site? And then it evolved into like, once they're there, how do we get more of them to do the tasks that we want them to do? So from, from SEO and PPC, that kind of led into analytics and measurement and then into uh, like user experience and testing and went pretty kind of heavy into conversion rate optimization for a while. Mm-hmm. Um, but quickly, quickly kind of discovered that, you know, me coming up with an idea for, for an A-B test um, wasn't as good as actually talking to customers. Uh, so over the last kind of three years, I spent a lot of time running customer interviews with the goal of kind of supporting conversion optimization. Mm-hmm. And kind of time and time again, we're able to get better wins when we, we talk to the people that are actually using the site and the products um, to understand what are their buying motivations. What I kind of found was that when you're just working within analytics and the data, you hit this false ceiling of optimization. There's only so far that you can actually get. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's because you can't think of things in the same light because you're so close to it. Mm-hmm. Um, but your customers have all these different questions. Um, and so I, I've kind of just... I've been, I would kind of define loosely, kind of consultant, contractor, um, whatever kind of digital marketing kind of problem someone had, like I was there to help over the last kind of two to three years. Um, and I wanted, I wanted to put more kind of focus on an area that one I see is kind of growing, but two is like, there's distinct lack of um, understanding. Um, so the, the area of kind of qualitative research with a view of kind of supporting like a conversion or a growth program is, is relatively, relatively new. Um, I feel like there's lots of, you know, product managers that are talking to their users. I feel like their angle is very much like how do we build kind of retention and loyalty within the product, but not really understanding like why did they buy it in the first place? Mm-hmm. Um, and the question that I kind of reached out with is everyone that I've kind of spoken to, not, well, not everyone, a lot of people that I've spoken to on this are saying that, you know, you need to be, a CEO and kind of put on your CEO hat and kind of hire people to do, to do the work and to do the craft Mm -hmm. versus kind of doing it yourself. Um, And I think that it kind of comes down to what's what I'm kind of torn with right now is like, what's the right way to go within this. Right. Yeah. And that's, so that's where we kind of left off in the email thread. And that's why I wanted to jump on the call because I think it's a really uh, interesting conversation to have. And I couldn't really, and it was, it'd be a hard thing to do over email because the, there needs to be kind of, it's, it's a lot more efficient to do this in a real time way. 
Um, the advice that you were getting, I think, is reasonable advice for some people, and I think it would be unreasonable unreasonable advice for other people. Uh, it unless you shared with those people who advised you in that way what your objective is, then that's not necessarily good or bad advice. So yeah. I feel like the place to start is like, what's your objective? What are you trying to do? Because if you said, you know, I want to do this for three years and then sell the company to someone, I would agree with your friends. Right. If you don't want to do that and you want to create like, um, you know, potentially grow like uh, some sort of, you know, solo operator, soloist, uh, retire, you know, thing that you'll do for the rest of your life, die with your boots on, then, and you don't really want to be a manager, then that's bad advice. So it really depends on what you want to do. They both work. So it kind of boils down to what's your objective? And then, you know, what are your, do you, you know, do you want to be managing a team? I, I guess you could kind of think about those at the same time. Cause if you don't want to manage a team, obviously being a CEO would be a bad idea. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I think for me, it's, it's, I think this, one of the things I've experienced over the last like few years is you're really kind of subject to the winds of change. Um, so it's hard to kind of grow and have that stable income um, when everything is kind of changing. And what do you mean everything? Um, so I think the, the, so different kind of tactics within kind of digital marketing, um, the, different trends of, you know, companies hiring in-house uh, versus like using agencies and kind of contractors to support them. Mm -hmm. um, I found that if you're not in one thing and kind of living it kind of daily, um, if you come back to it, a lot has changed in between when you last touched it. And like for me, that's been maybe like a year, kind of 18 months. And um, you're talking about, you're talking about the kind of landscape of the marketplace for people who are looking for this kind of thing? Or are you talking about the technology or the approaches? A little, a little of both. Uh, I think definitely the approach and the technology along with um, the marketplace and the way that companies want to work with like outsource kind of contractors, support agencies. Mm -hmm. um, so for me, uh, I think it's, it's more having that longevity like into the future and kind of a stable a stable revenue stream of work that I like doing so it's less about building a massive like agency or kind of empire um so objective team. so that so that's the objective answer so like uh, the answer about what's your objective build something stable that's like a solo yeah stable yeah because I enjoy I enjoy doing the work and I want to get better at that piece because I know that I'm not um, I, I have a lot of bad habits that I've probably brought into this and there's the ways to get better. Um, so I know that I'm not perfect. Uh, but it's, I personally feel like I can secure that future in a better way by continuing to hone the craft as opposed to hiring a team to kind of deliver on that work. Okay. Let's drill into that a little bit in a second. So, uh, cause you mentioned that in the email too bookmark that. Now let's go back to this objective and, and make it a little bit more clear. So I, I, I'm trying to take notes as fast as you're talking. I got that you wanted to build a solo, a stable, but solo business. So what, what 
Seth Godin would use the term freelancer for. I, I don't think that's the greatest application of the, the term, but hey, he's the genius and I'm not. So um, he's like, the if you are doing the work, you're showing up and doing the work, then you're a freelancer, you're not an entrepreneur. And your your friends were trying to get you to be an entrepreneur. Right. That people are advising you to be a CEO and create this team and probably sell the bill, the, the buildings, probably sell the uh, business at some point. <laughs> yeah. And, or, or at least have it, Oh, it'll just be a money engine throwing off money while you're sitting in the tropics. And yeah. Okay. Maybe on the um, laptop with the beach. Yeah, exactly. Or yeah. no laptop that <laughs> you've got a team to handle all that laptop stuff. Uh, but that's not, that doesn't feel like a good fit for you. You're like, nah, I don't know. I kind of like doing the work. I feel like I need to keep my hand in the technology cause it changes so fast. And I think that it's, um, I think it's a, a, like for today. Yes. Um, I think in the future that that may change, but to get it started. So the, this isn't, there's not an established way of kind of delivering this work to clients as well. It's still kind of really early. Mm -hmm. Um, and the, so far, like I've tried to put together, just, you know, a more of a productized approach with a sales page um, to try to get people kind of interested in interviews and how it relates to growth. Um, the, in the future, like it could, it could be different, but for now, I feel like I need to be closer to it to really kind of understand what, what this is. Okay. And so let's get to the word you, I think you, I wrote down the word stable. I think you use the word stable. What do you mean stable? Um, what does that mean to you, like specifically? I think like knowing that you have, that I have work booked out for X number of months and that you're not worried about where that next, con- like your next project is, is going to come from. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that the other kind of piece of advice that you get a lot is, oh, it needs to be recurring. Like you need to have some kind of recurring element to it for, for you to really hit that stable kind of cash flow. And I think a lot of times, um, a business idea is being forced into this recurring model because the owner wants it to be that way versus the customer wants to buy it that way. Yeah, I agree a hundred percent. Yeah. So for this, it is very much a, it, it doesn't lend itself kind of, um, if you were going to put it into more of a recurring model, you would have to find a lower cost way to deliver it. And then that's like outsourcing or like VAs, like are doing calls that aren't as skilled. Yeah. So yeah, I don't think, I don't think a subscription model for this is necessarily a crazy idea, but I do agree that lots of people are just like, okay, I'm going to start a subscription business that gets monthly, monthly recurring revenue. Hmm. What should I do? And they're just like starting from there, just thinking about what they want, which to me is kind of like going to an hourly rate calculator and being like, Hmm, how much money do I want to charge (laughs) per hour? And then just, there's like this assumption that someone's going to pay it. So to your point, like, uh, that, that might not be a great, fit for that right now based on the landscape of the marketplace and how people want to buy things and the cost of delivering what it would probably look like what they want to buy. And so like, how do we make the numbers work in a subscription model? You know, and there could, it could be, I'm not saying it's a good idea or a bad idea, but, but I think there are challenges and I applaud your focus on the buyer and not on just what you want. Like, what does the buyer want? So that's great. Yeah. It could be great. It could be a good idea, but I don't really know. Sort of uh, jury's out on that. But and you I did say you don't need recurring. You don't need recurring revenue. Like having a recurring revenue stream is not uh, like a subscription model. 
is of course not the only way to have uh, stability in the business, but knowing where your work's going to come from, it's, you know, cause then you just have other things to worry about like churn and customer acquisition and all that. You yeah. could just as easily have, you know, you could be super famous for doing this and have like, you know, be booked six months out by people who are like standing in line to work with you. And that'd be a lot of stability. It's like, even if it's not for recurring revenue, you can see six months out that the, the line standing outside of your store is pretty long. So you're pretty sure you're going to sell a bunch of donuts today. Yeah. So uh, you can, so there are other ways, you know, there's other ways to get stability besides subscription. If subscription isn't a great fit for you right now. And that's why that, like that idea of kind of building and becoming an authority like in the in the space um is is appealing because it helps with that longevity and not mm-hmm. just uh a quick a quick hit like you're building an asset as opposed to just like a marketing engine that mm-hmm. is just you pour kind of paid in the top and it comes out the back end right and this is why it's important to have a clear objective and understand what you're going for because the strategy of building one of the the, the entrepreneur model versus the freelancer model if we're going to use that term is um dramatically different where it just as one example in an entrepreneur model you don't want your face all over the business almost almost certainly mm. you want if you want any faces on it it's going to be people like you know other people who uh, are not you because you don't want to be a bottleneck in the entrepreneur model yeah. you want to be you want to basically do absolutely nothing except for set the vision strategy you know and outsource outsource everything else like right. eventually, eventually outsource everything to your employees. And, and so that's one of the, like, so I, as I've been having sales conversations with people um, around customer interviews, that's one of the questions that comes up. It's like, so if we're putting our trust in you, you're, we're, we're letting you talk to our customers without right. us there. Mm-hmm. Um, how do we like, how do we know that we're getting a quality person on the other end of the phone? That's going to mm-hmm. do um, kind of, like one run a successful interview without kind of bias and slant mm-hmm. um but then uh represent their company in a, a, a professional manner as well yeah because they're opening themselves up to some vulnerability because if you if you turned out to be an unprofessional hack that's not gonna reflect yeah. well on them so if on the other hand you turn yourself you know you become the freelancer model you become famous basically you know in like world famous in the world that cares about this not the entire world because the vast majority of the world does not care about this, but there will be people in some world, some, some pond where you would be the biggest fish and they'd be like, well, you just, you just automatically have trust. They would yeah. just try like, we know we want grant. Like, there's no doubt. Like, of course we trust them. We wouldn't even, they wouldn't even ask like, oh, how do we know that you're not going to be a clown on the phone? Um, and the, but then you could potentially have that problem could crop back up. If you had employees, if you weren't going to be the one during the phone call. Yeah. Uh, and I've, I've seen that in, in like a past agency that I worked in, um, where we had like a tiered account management structure. So this was on the SEO side where we had a couple of well-known kind of SEOs, um, and people would always want those well-known SEOs, um, like employees or success stories, uh, employees. I see. Um, so they, they would want to make sure. And, and a little bit similar, like even on the sales side. So they, they had a very consultative sales approach. Um, mm-hmm. But then when you get into running the project, it's getting handed off to another person. Mm-hmm. Um, and that trust doesn't ha- hasn't developed right away. So the first 30 days of those projects were always really um, 
kind of nerve wracking because you're they're expecting results right away, um, but you haven't had that time to kind of build up that trust. Yes. Okay. All right. So I'm hearing loud and clear that you do not want employees doing this stuff for you. So the CEO model is not a good idea for you. Like it seems, does that seem clear to you? Yeah. And, and I think that there's been a little bit of time that's elapsed, like from the email to like us talking where mm-hmm. I've kind of discovered this as well, like throughout the way. Um, mm-hmm. I think the, you kind of raised the, a question for about being kind of the, the, like the well-known authority. And is that in the field of like what you're doing versus the industry that you do it for? And I think that's, my next kind of thing that I'm trying to kind of wrap my head around and solve for. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Well, it, I, you know the answer, right? Like you want to be famous to your potential buyers, not to your peers. Yes. Although um, being famous to your peers can work, but it's a secondary, it's like a two-step process where someone's like, Hey, we need someone that does stuff like this. Who's the go-to person. And everybody points at you. Yeah. That's not as good as if you're just famous with a bunch of people who are want to stand in uh, stand in line to buy donuts from you, you know, like yeah. not, not like, Hey, where should we go to get donuts? And they ask a bunch of other people who make donuts. Yeah. So, we're, see what I mean? Yeah. We're yeah, having a conversation. Um, and someone's looking for email, uh, kind of onboarding and kind of churn reduction. And Val Geisler's like name came like straight out of the mouse of like three different people. Uh, yeah. Like, yeah. That's who you need. <laughs> that's funny. Yeah. yeah. Or like, and you can think of lots of, I can think of lots of, I do this all the time. So I can think of lots of examples like that, like where a particular name is going to pop out of somebody's mouth when they're looking for a particular thing. Yeah. Um, and so refer, you know, the more famous you are in directly with your potential buyers, the better. But if you are famous with influencers of those buyers, that's pretty good too. Okay. So um, those might, those might not be peers. They might be peers. They might not be peers. It could be people who uh, serve the same audience and are kind of in the same space as you. Like maybe, uh, I don't know, maybe they hire a, someone to build their website and they, you know, some like marketing firm or agency to build like a website. And they're like, yeah, no, we need some customer interviews on here. And, and, and every, and like every web agency knows your name. And it's like, oh, you got to talk to this. We don't do that. We can't compete with this guy. Yeah. Um, one of the challenges that so what I've done over the last kind of month, um, we, we kind of set up the sales page, a very kind of productized approach. Who's we, and then, um, well, me, the royal okay. we, <laughs> <laughs> um, and then I've, uh, I've ran some cold outreach through LinkedIn, uh, to, to gauge response. And the biggest, the biggest kind of thing that we've hit is that it really thinks it's interesting and loves the idea but it's not a burning need for them mm-hmm. um, at the moment. And I'm, I'm trying to kind of wrestle that around a little bit with like, is it the product, is it the market, or is it the positioning of the product? Mm-hmm. Um, well, who do you think needs it? Like who's your target? Who are you reaching out? Who are you choosing to reach out to? That's yeah. So we've, re- I have reached out yeah, to, <laughs> I know, I know I, we need like the, yeah. Uh, so I've reached out to, uh, e-commerce kind of founders and owners, um, operators to, mm-hmm. to help, uh, as kind of the first 
audience. Um, the secondary one is like professional services firms. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the third are like tech and SaaS products. Ecom founders, uh, professional service providers, so you say? Yeah. Like consultants and stuff or like lawyers or? Uh, no, everybody. so more, more like, um, like, like agencies. So either kind of creative or kind of like like marketing services to kind of understand like why did their why did their customers kind of choose them? Mm-hmm. So if you have a pretty kind of indi- like if you're offering the same thing as everybody else, like why are people buying from you? Mm-hmm. And what was the last one? So um, like, services and so tech, um, kind of hardware and SaaS kind of software products. SaaS. Who do you reach out to at SaaS companies like marketing, CEO? The marketing function. Okay. And same with hardware? Yes. For There's been a few people that I've spoken to that just kind of get it. Mm-hmm. And they're like, yeah, like we, we know we need to do this um, and understand the value of research. So there's some people that I've spoken to that just don't, they're like, no, we're just, we're just going to muscle our way through like they're mm-hmm. if they have five grand to spend, they're going to spend it on paid and just get more traffic. Mm-hmm. Um, other people can see the value and, um, under like they can see the value in research and kind of taking that step back, but are still under that, that kind of pressure to grow. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it's interesting because if you're looking at a typical kind of targeting like LinkedIn kind of they're, they're the same job title, same industries. Um, so on the surface, you think they would kind of think the same, but in reality, like people are people and everybody's unique. Yeah. Yeah. It's a good starting point though. Like, it, you know, eat the elephant one bite at a time, right? So you can at least yeah. pick somebody to focus on and see if there's, if it's common, you know, because an industry, a particular industry, they probably read a lot of the same trade publications. They probably go to a lot of the same conferences. They probably follow the same kind of people online or at least similar because it's around their industry and the the terminology might be better or less known less well known in you know between you know like somebody like i doubt i doubt like lawyers are familiar with what cro stands for but i'm sure advertising agencies are yeah so at least you don't have to define the terms if you're approaching an ad agency and you're not talking about cro now i just picked that because it's such a uh you know, like a not probably not that well known of an acronym to a lot of people. Yeah. So if I, so we're thinking about this, like when I look at your, I've got your, your webpage up in front of me and, and the headline is done for your customer interviews, which is the deliverable. It's a solution. Um, it's not a result. So yeah. the, the result could be something like, um, you know, differentiate yourself from undercutting noobs, you know, or, or like, uh, Geez, want to present yourself as the premium option? Stand apart from the field with with glowing customer testimonial videos or interviews or yeah. So actually, that that what is the deliverable here? Because you keep saying research, which isn't what I was picturing. So the deliverable is is kind of muddy as well, so it's kind of shifted over time. So mm-hmm. originally, when this was just like more of a productized piece, it was just the interviews. So you would get the recordings, you would get the um, the insights from those um and where it's kind of gotten to now is that it's really 
it's it's really more of a, a teardown. So we'll we're gonna interview your customers and then we're going to kind of distill the insights from those conversations. Mm-hmm. We're then going to evaluate your your website, your email, your sales flows, and see like where the discrepancies is and the gap analysis. Mm-hmm. Um, and then one of the things that we do as well, so we'll interview, I will interview seven customers and then uh, also interview one person from inside the company and ask them the same questions. Mm-hmm. And then there's a gap analysis there. Oh, that's a good one. Oh, I love that. Yeah. yeah, yeah. You could. I could even imagine you doing more than one person inside the company and finding out that nobody's on the same page. Yeah, that's true. Um, and I think like early on, I talked about how like people are trying to kind of stuff product like into a recurring model. I think mm-hmm. I've tried to like force fit this into a productized mm-hmm. approach, which isn't necessarily the. I don't think that's the right way to do this. Now right. that I'm at the stage. Well, so what's the Again, what's the outcome? What's the what's the outcome that you are confident delivering? So like if there's a thing if there's a thing that you'd be embarrassed by, or is an outcome, so you get to the end of a project, what would be professionally embarrassing to you if you were unable to do it? Um I think if they were if they didn't know what to do next so they've got the research but they don't know how to leverage that in their in their business uh so what do they change um and i think like and it's always messaging right like the thing they're going to change is always messaging yeah it's always about how they talk about their their products like some of it may lead into the the kind of product development angle um but the focus is really on like why are people buying your service over someone else's and what almost stopped them from buying. All right. So the outcome, you do all this stuff and the outcome is that the, the recipient of your deliverable will know exactly what to say in, what do you want to say on their marketing or in their marketing or on their website? Yeah. Like, cause it, it's, it, it runs across like paid ads as well. So okay, what to say across. All marketing so that what so that you can justify premium fees or differentiate yourself from your competitors or close more deals like what what is what are some likely outcomes all of the, all of the above um, I think that on the e-commerce side it's about like reducing reducing like your your cost per click because you get higher engagement, but also increasing the return on that spend. So you're getting more efficient. Um, mm-hmm. So for the e-commerce crowd, that that's one angle. Um, the kind of professional kind of services group, um, it's it's just getting like better customers. Uh, so improving the quantity and quality of, of customers. I would imagine uh, decreased uh, uh Sales time as well, because it's like if you're truly when you're truly differentiated, people aren't really considering other options as much. So yeah, okay, increase quality. And I think that it's like before you even have the sales conversation, they're better the the client, the prospect is better educated um, going into it on who you are and why you, mm-hmm. uh, if, and how that relates to their needs. Mm-hmm. Uh, Because I think a lot of times, 
especially like in the agency kind of land, um, everyone tries to do the the people, product, and process. Yeah, uh, and it's yeah, it's. I think there's that missing step on like why does like what does that mean? Yeah, the dots aren't connected. Who cares? Yeah, what results can I expect from these all this stuff that I don't understand or care yeah. about? And it's it's easy to kind of sit and kind of talk about other people's sites, but like when you're doing this on your own, like it's, it's impossible. Yeah. Yeah. Um, um, right. And the tech and the SaaS kind of group, like one thing I've learned is that they're, they feel like they're already talking to their customers a lot through their product teams mm-hmm. and that information should be going to the marketing teams, but mm-hmm. isn't always, but they feel like they've got this like customer piece under control. So not a good customer for you. Um, I think there's just more uphill battle. Um, like I said, not a good customer for you. Yeah. <laughs> there's a whole world to choose from. Why pick someone there's an uphill battle? Yeah. I mean, honestly, I could see you going after lawyers or uh, financial advisors or bookkeepers, like straight up legacy professional services. Like, Really? Oh, yeah. Hmm. Why not? That's interesting. Maybe not, but I mean, why not? They're, yeah. I mean, I'm not saying it's a hypothesis, but I don't. I wouldn't rule them out. I would yeah. rule someone out that thinks they already have what you do <laughs> under control. <laughs> under control. <laughs> like, uh, so I crossed that off the list. I think I, I like the idea of it being outside of the typical kind of my typical kind of circle and path in a way. Yeah, um, I mean. If you were, it's, it's my, not the, sorry, the, the, I think it's really smart to take, like, if you've got a skill set, I think it, it that's, that's technical. You, well, I mean, you came from a technical space. This particular skill set's not that technical, but I wouldn't think, I mean, I don't know how much technology you're using to do it, but interviewing customers is pretty non-technical. It's all about like knowing how to do it, knowing how to, you know, ask good questions, be professional. It's all communication skills, right? Yeah. So you might use Zoom or something fancy to do it, you know, fancier than Zoom, but um, it's not super technical. But it is gonna f- it is gonna translate into tons of digital marketing, mm-hmm. most most likely. One would one would think like if you're not doing digital marketing, it's probably not a great fit. They're probably not a great fit. So if you looked at someone that was like, um, like I recently hired a plumbing company to come to my house, and it's brutal to find a plumber in my area that will like actually show up. But I found one that had clearly spent millions on a brilliant digital sales funnel. Uh, it just it was amazing. It had like it was like all the modern affordances of like what you'd expect from a, a SaaS or something like an enterprise mm-hmm. SaaS, and it was great. And they were more expensive, and I didn't care. So I could imagine another plumber looking at that and being like, "I can't believe anybody hires them. They're not that great." I know all the plumbers that work there. They all they just spend a bunch of money on a fancy website and they get all the business. And like, how much did you pay? Because I have a friend who's a plumber. He's like, how much do they charge you? And I said, and he's like, you've got to be kidding me. Because he thought it was so much. And I'm like, dude, you I could you wouldn't come to my house though. And they did. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? So I could imagine. Um, so this is just one random particular anecdote. But that plumber that I talked to who doesn't have a good website, and I know that's not what you do, but but mm-hmm. The idea is that he's non-technical, but he recognizes the value of all of this technical stuff. And, you know, 
is gonna want is gonna need help with anything like that. What I'm getting at is you're generally gonna be better off going after customers who for whom like everything you do is like a black box to them. It's like magic. Okay. Versus going after someone who basically knows how to do what you do, but they just don't feel like doing it. Yeah, okay. That's what I mean. Because then yeah. those people are gonna micromanage you like crazy. Be like, oh, I would have done it like this. Or did you read Lean Customer Development? That's that's how that's the process we want to use. Right. So if you're going like it's the worst with developers or especially especially developers. If they're going if they're talking to like a CTO of a tech startup in the valley, forget it. The CTO is going to know everything whether he or she does or doesn't. And they just want you they don't want to talk about strategy. We, that's my job. You just do yeah. what I said. They're not impressed with your chops with React Native. It's not impressed. You're a dime a dozen. Because they get it, like they know your whole thing. So if you're if you're selling to marketers, for example, mm-hmm. um, I mean, I get that you're the sale. I think the sale for you to marketers is look, you don't have the time to do this well. I can take this off your hands, but that's positioning you. I, I see that as a little bit. Um, that's one kind of sale where you're positioning yeah. yourself as like you could do this, but you don't feel like it, or you maybe you don't feel like you're. They probably do feel like they're qualified. Like, yeah, we could do this. We had time to do it, but we haven't got the manpower. It's been three years. It just never gets to the top of our to-do list. Could you just take this off my to-do list? That's probably not as, it could be a sale that you could make. It's probably not as high value as going to like um, a consulting law firm and saying, you know, hey, you guys really want to, you want to take things to the next level. I noticed you don't have any, any case studies or testimonies on your website or some kind of signal that that they could use this that's this is the tricky part but i feel like going after a lawyer who's maybe values or sees that there's probably some value in digital marketing but doesn't really understand everything that's going on and the first thing they need is messaging and where would the best place to get it would be from their happy customers yeah i would think so and okay so i'm kind of rambling a little bit about targeting people who usually in general, I'm not sure if this is true here, but usually in general, it's, it's, you're going to get higher value engagements targeting people who think you're basically doing magic. Right. So that's one thing. And it's, so the, the magic then for them, I feel is that they get the complete spell. Whereas one of the things through this is it's an input. So correct. Mm Mm-hmm. Yes, and that's kind of why I'm hesitating because it would this need to is take, an input. Yeah, it would need to take it. So that like part of like the marketing people is they they need this stuff, but they'll know what to do with it once they have it. Yeah. So you're you're positioning yourself as labor, not expertise. Right. Which can work. You could make a. You could probably make. You know, if you were if you were had a good pipeline, you could probably keep making money at this and do it quicker and quicker. But. It's not, uh, they're not gonna, coming to you for strategic help. Yeah. So it could be uh, a starting point. It could be interesting. It could be a, a particular productized service that you offer, uh, one of many. Um, you could have other things in your product ladder that were high-touch services or that were uh, a little bit more soup to nuts, in fact. You know, I don't know if you want to do that. It's a different question, but you could do something a little bit different like um, uh, basically put together a pay-per-click campaign for you but it's going to have this component like and it's going to be effective because you're going to interview customers to find out why they bought 
It's, so it's yeah. not, it's not like, uh, it becomes an input for you to deliver a, a different result, a yeah. farther, a farther downstream result. I see a lot of copywriters, um, are using customer interviews to write great copy. Mm -hmm. Um, but, for, and I think that kind of aligns with messaging. Um, but right. So I, you it feels I, that crossed my mind. Like you could kind of position yourself as a messaging consultant. And it just so happens that you come up with great messaging by interviewing customers like a direct marketer yeah. would do. So, um, right now, but you know, right now what you have, the focus that you have right now is on an input yeah. and the result that you deliver it changing nothing else. The result that you would deliver is that they would know what language to use in their marketing campaigns, which would then potentially increase their conversion rate or attract more and better customers or decrease the customer acquisition costs or, you know, depending on who you're targeting. Yeah. So that's okay. I mean, that's something. And I think, I think for me, like, like that comfort space kind of really aligns with like, we'll interview your customers and we'll show you what to change on, on the website, but it's not taking it all the way to that done for you place. Yeah. Where you like update the website or you do the design or something. Yeah. Or write the copy. Mm -hmm. Oh really? You, you don't think you'd, it wouldn't go there. I like I've done like messaging kind of hierarchy and it's like, these are the themes that you want to get across, but I've not written full kind of production ready copy. Okay. Um, okay. So that brings me to another, um, another topic that kind of comes back to the beginning, the CEO question. So there's a difference between trying to, you know, staff up an organization that you, where you make yourself irrelevant, you know, where you've, I mean, that's like the, the pinnacle of uh, entrepreneurship is that the business runs without the owner. Like the owner can go to mm -hmm. Bali for six months and it's fine. You know, so it, you don't want to do that. You want to keep, keep in there, keep your, uh, your hands dirty, so to speak, keep your arm, your yeah. sleeves rolled up because things are changing fast. You want to, you want to get better at the craft. Um, but you still could outsource tasks. You know, right. you could have a VA and that's not really, it doesn't make you an entrepreneur. You're definitely not building a, uh, a hierarchy or like a, a business organization. You could hire a VA, you could hire a copywriter, or you could partner with a copywriter who did certain things where if you had a, um, if you had a project that was, let's say you had uh, three different levels where you'd sort of take more and more ownership over the results or uh, responsibility for delivering results. So this one, mm -hmm. you could do this one, which is like a gap analysis of like, you know, hey, planning a big marketing redesign, let's double check that what you think, why, uh, why customers are buying or why you think customers are buying is actually why they're still buying. Maybe it's four years old. And you just mm -hmm. do this gap analysis piece, which involves customer interviews, and, and there you go. And then a, a tier up from that, Maybe you partner with or you find some copywriters that you outsource the copywriting work to where you'd actually come up with, um, maybe it's, maybe it's, uh, I don't know, uh, headlines or an opt-in page or a white paper or some, some kind of like something that where you take the insights and you create a, a, a usable final deliverable. that's ready to go. Maybe it's a lead, you know, like a landing page or an opt-in page or, yeah. um, headlines, you know, update all the headlines on the homepage or uh, the calls to action, 
could be some kind of something like that where you you take the next step. And even if you don't want to do it, you could pay somebody uh, to do that piece. But of course, you would have charged significantly more for that. And then you would just kind of hire out, outsource a little bit of it. Right. I don't know if that's like outside your comfort zone or not, but I could certainly see that as a uh, as an approach. Yeah, I don't feel like that would be too far outside. Okay. And then you could get, go even, you know, you could take it one step further and say, you know, hire a Facebook ads expert and just like turn it into uh, a marketing campaign where the, the beginning of the marketing campaign is you interviewing their existing clients and then you just take it all the way through to whatever the, whatever the campaign is and they give you a budget for Facebook ads and they can pour money on it, you know, and you don't have yeah. to touch Facebook. You don't have to create the lead magnet. You don't have to write the nurture campaign, none of that stuff. So it's like a done for you marketing thing. And, and now all of a sudden the lawyer thing starts to sound like, huh, that might be something a lawyer would be into because they yeah. were the plumber where they recognize that, damn, this, this other plumbing company is crushing it. They're charging twice as much as me. And I know the people they hire. I fired the people that work there because they weren't good. Enough, you know what I mean? Yeah. So, huh. Okay. Geez. I wish I had time to do this, but oh, look, here's my beeper going off. I have to go unplug a toilet. Yeah. So these are success, but these are this this guy in particular, and I know there there's plenty of others. That's why they they don't have time to come to my house to fix my hose. They're they're making a lot of money, you know. They're they feel like they're doing well, but they're totally busy, completely crazy, and and they are working in the business all the time. And right. a lot of them don't even have a website at all. So imagine if you come along and you're like, hmm. Would you like to raise your rates? Because they're already too busy. Would you like to raise your rates? Like, huh, yeah, yeah, that'd be cool. All right, here's what you do. And you could be like, I'll, I'll, I'm just going to, your phone's just going to start ringing more. Yeah. Period. I'll, you know, tell me who some of your, your best clients are, your happiest clients are. I'm going to go talk to them. And I'm going to put, <laughs> you could imagine the whole thing. You create a Facebook ad campaign. It goes to a landing page. It has a phone, th- you know, a call, whatever or you pre-qualify them and then you just like funnel stuff to their switchboard or whatever they use. Yeah. And it's just like, wow. I mean, imagine the testimony you'd get from my plumber friend. If that happened, it'd be amazing. He'd be like, Oh my God, I can I give you more money. So <laughs> yeah, what I'm all I'm illustrating here is like, this is just me like brainstorming. Like all, all, all I'm illustrating here is that this skill that you have that you like and you feel like you're good at, you've got a sense of mastery around these customer interview piece and a lot of other experience in areas that touch on the stuff that I'm talking about, then you could, you could package that up in, we just talked about three different ways or three different levels where the top level is kind of this white glove. I will make your phone ring more service Mm -hmm. because you're savvy online. And then my plumber friend is the nicest guy in the world. He's not savvy online. So it would be like magic. He would be, he would give you, you know, whatever, 10 grand a month or five grand a month, whatever it is. I don't know how much it would, how much he would stomach. Yeah. But you do this thing and like, it would just be like magic happened. I, I think like you, I, and I think I've heard you talk about this, like when it comes to code and development, but the, there's almost like the, the kind of the theory around like the purism of it. Mm-hmm. So if it's like elegant, beautiful code, yeah. um, it's, that's not something that people kind of care about. So when 
doing this. It's like it's real of real strategic importance. Like you need this to build like great marketing, but people just want the phone to ring, right? More business to come in the door. Yeah, they just want better clients calling them. So while I'm really excited about like customer interviews and kind of geeking out over it, they they that's the input and they want the the output on the end. Yeah, this is a great example. Of, this is a great example of inputs outputs because I find a lot of people don't understand that. But yeah. you know, it's like I, I'll say to developers, you know, nobody wants your code, and they're like, "Yeah, they do." That's why they're paying me. And I'm like, they <laughs> don't want the code; they want the outcome that they think the code is going to. And they can't. A lot of times, they just can't. They're like, "What are you talking about? You're insane." But if you, this is a great example from another field where it, a lot of times, it, when you hear an example from another field, it clicks better because you're like, "Yeah, yeah. I don't care about customer interviews." I care about, you know, like my website working. I care about waking up in the morning and having more leads than I had when I went to bed or more sales. Originally, like I, I thought of this as just being like a conversion project. So like, we're not doing, we're not doing like AB testing is that like third kind of tier down the road if you have the right traffic for it. But it's really like so many websites are broken. We're going to fix your website to increase your leads so that all your other marketing is going to be more effective. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. and the interviews is that the part of it, but it's not the the thing on the surface. Mm-hmm. And then I, I feel like I might've been just too distracted by customer interviews being like such a hot thing in my head mm-hmm. that it's not really <laughs> as exciting for other people. <laughs> yeah. Right. It's, yeah. if anything, it's scary. Like I'm going to let this guy go talk to my customers. Like well, even if you're the nicest guy in the world, it's still, it's still like, an appointment on my customer's calendar that they weren't looking forward to and aren't going to get anything out of. Yeah. And one of the, one of the the people that I was kind of chatting with in the professional kind of services arena, um, they, they said no, because it wasn't the money. Um, it wasn't the deliverables, but it was one more ask that they would have to make of that customer. Uh, precisely. And yeah, exactly. Right. They wanted to save that for something else like either like a testimonial video for themselves or like a g2 kind of review like those pieces honestly when i saw this website i thought you did i thought what you did was testimonials and case Mm. studies yeah i didn't when you when you started seeing research i was like what is he talking about research (laughs) yeah Yeah, i I assumed it was for testimonials right we, we, I actually like considered kind of pivoting it a little bit and doing like Zoom testimonials, but mm-hmm. it just didn't, it wasn't as exciting. Um, I think the idea of kind of taking the research, the interviews, kind of piecing it together and building out the uh, advertising, the funnel to leads is, is more exciting for me. Wait, say that one more time. Um, the part that's more exciting. Being able to kind of take customer research to build into like messaging, advertising, funnels, nurturing, um, and yeah. actually an end to end solution for someone. Yeah. It's your secret sauce that yeah. you're not afraid to talk to someone that that's yeah. your, but that's your superpower. That's not like, like, so what? yeah, great. You can fly. How does that help me? Yeah. You know, you're great. You're great at customer interviews. How does that help me? Well, I'm going to get you like better clients. Like, <laughs> I'm going to give you this information of like where you're using the wrong words and, and, and maybe there's some tier where that's a low level tier where they update their website and everything else. Or there's a tier where you update a couple pieces of the website and they update everything else or you just do everything or, yeah. you know, and hire it out. And again, you're not building a, 
a firm, you're not building a team and just, you're just contracting people to do their little piece of expertise and you pay them for it. Yeah. And I think like when it t- comes to talking to prospective customers, especially like when, when you're using that uh, example of it's, it's just magic, it's just unknown. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it still fits a paradigm that they understand. So it's like, you're going to pay me this amount and we're going to do this and you get X at the other end. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's just a complete encased kind of solution. Yeah. It's a money machine. They put in a dollar and they get two back. It's like, yeah, have more money. <laughs> <laughs> I know it's not that simple, but that's, that's the, that's how it feels to the buyer. Like the buyer wants to get value out and it's not necessarily going to be money. It could be something more intangible or something less tangible than that. It could be, um, whatever it could be winning awards. It could be, who knows? It could be all whatever they want, you know, Um, if, if it's money that they want and you can come up with a credible way to deliver that, um, then great, you know, and if that, and if the closest that you can get, uh, downstreams. So you're, so, you know, this is pretty far upstream. If you, if you wanted to get farther downstream, I would go into, you know, using your superpower, using the special sauce for you to, to generate more. It depends on the client, but like demos for a software company or, uh, uh, leads for a plumber, you know, or what, yeah. phone, phone calls for a plumber or for a lawyer. And be like, you know, hey, look, I can't close the deal for, I'm not going to close the deal for you, but if I can get your phone ringing, do you think you can close the deals? And they're like, yes, my phone never rings. Every time it, like my phone rings once a month and every time it does, I close the deal. Right. So if it rang every day, would you be able to, to work that much or is that too much? So if it rang every day, I'd probably only be able to close half of them and I'd probably, probably only want it a half of that. So, you know, that would be, that would be amazing. It would like 4X my business. All right. How much is that worth to you? Forex in the right. business? You're like, you actually think you can do that? Yeah, I do. All right. That's probably worth 50 grand. Yeah, all right. Money back guarantee or prorated. If I only, if I only two exit, <laughs> I'll give you 20 grand back or whatever. <laughs> okay. But that's like the, that's what the business owner is going to care about. Yeah, but I, I kind of, I'm like coming back around. I can see why you targeted marketers at those organizations because they, under, they automatically understand the value of the deliverable of customer yeah. interviews and the time crunch. Yes. But yeah. But I it does, it positions you as specialized labor. Yeah. And I think it just also adds an extra weight of now they need to do something with that. Yep. So, so now imagine if you know earlier in the call, well, it's getting long. We have to wrap up soon, but the, earlier in the call, we talked about, do you want to be famous to, your peers or partners that might recommend you influencers, or do you want to be famous to your audience, uh, yeah. your buyers? And here's an example. Let's use the plumber example where you go on stage at a plumbing conference. You're the only digital marketer there. And they're like, who's this guy? And you do, and you just start off with a case study of how you quadrupled somebody's business in six months. Yeah. And they're just like, what is this dark magic? This internet thing, it, maybe it's catching on <laughs> and you have a couple of things like, you know, we did some, you, you all have heard of Facebook. I know. Yes. We've heard of Facebook. Well, there's you've seen ads. Yes. Yes. Well, I put together some ads for this company and I interviewed their clients and I figured out what to put in the ads. I put them in the ads and that went over to a, web, a landing page that I put up for them. You guys have seen web pages, right? Yeah. Okay. You know, so you're talking the most basic terms about a digital sales funnel to a group of yeah. people for whom that is, 
not just not their focus. Like they just don't live in that world. Yeah. And then what's going to happen after that, that talk that you give, your phone's going to ring off the hook. <laughs> yeah. And then not, not one of them is going to be like, you know, concerned about probably any, any one of the pieces. It's just like, yeah, yeah. I want results like that. I want results like that, that what you did for that other guy. Yeah, so I, hope, I, I feel like I, I feel like I've completely untangled it, <laughs> like in a bad way. It's like you're working on a sweater, and I just unravel it. <laughs> I think um, I think like what's what's been helpful for me is that this is a, like a really like early stage, and I think so, like sometimes the people on the show are like at a later stage, and you're helping like solve like solving just kind of further down the pipe. Mm. Um, but this has been it's been really helpful because I. I like a lot of the things like the value conversation and the whys. like I've used those in sales conversations. Mm. Um, so to get kind of your take on this has been valuable. Cool. Excellent. Yeah. Cool. Okay. Well, I can see we're up against time. Uh, this has been a really fun conversation for so for thanks for joining me, Graham. Thanks. It's been great. Awesome. All right, folks, that's it for this time around. You've been listening to ditching hourly and I hope you join us again next time. Bye. Hey, Jonathan here again. Do you have questions about how to improve your business? Things like value pricing your work instead of billing for your time, or positioning yourself as the go-to person in your space, or maybe productizing your services so you never have to have another awkward sales call or spend hours writing another custom proposal. Book a one-on-one coaching call with me and get answers to these questions and others in the time it takes you to get ready for work in the morning. Best of all, you're covered by my 100% satisfaction guarantee. If at the end of the call you don't feel like it was worth it, just say the word and I'll refund your purchase in full. To book your one-on-one coaching call, go to jonathanstark.com call, C-A-L-L. That URL again is jonathanstark.com call. Hey, Jonathan again. Do you have questions about how to improve your business? Things like value pricing your work instead of billing for your time, or positioning yourself as the go-to person in your space? or maybe productizing your services so you never have to have another awkward sales call or spend hours writing another custom proposal. Book a one-on-one coaching call with me and get answers to these questions and others in the time it takes you to get ready for work in the morning. Best of all, you're covered by my 100% satisfaction guarantee. If at the end of the call you don't feel like it was worth it, just say the word and I'll refund your purchase in full. To book your one-on-one coaching call, go to jonathanstark.com call. C-A-L-L. That URL again is jonathanstark.com slash call. Hope to see you there.